Morning Crossing Church, if you'll stand with us this morning. Welcome, everyone. How was your week? All right. Hopefully, most of us had a good week. I'm sure a couple of us maybe didn't. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, right? Amen. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just invite him to be here and have his way. God, we just, we love you this morning. We worship you. We honor you, God. We are here this morning because of you. God, because you've redeemed us and you've saved us and you've called us. Lord, we just want to honor you with our worship this morning because you are worthy. And God, we ask that you would speak to us as well um, through the sermon and through the worship, God, that you would do a work in our hearts, God, that we would be changed from being in your presence this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Changes. Yeah. 
chance people God sees you he calls you he loves you and he will equip you to fulfill whatever plans he has for your life and they're good plans <laughs> they're not plans for struggle they're plans for good and prosperity
this weight to you. I give everything to you and I declare that you are good and I declare that you are God. Will you do that right now? Just take a moment. Father, you see the hands extended. You see the hands right now that are saying, we give all this to you, everything to you. We put it in your hands knowing that you can and will meet every single need. And Father, right now, today, we declare that you are God and that you are good and that you see everything, that you know everything. And we know that you have been faithful to us through time and time again and you will continue that faithfulness. See God, you're so good. You declare that today. Oh, yes, God, you're so good. Come on, somebody declare it over your life.
life can be heavy, a burden which at times seems unbearable. It's easy to find ourselves overwhelmed, weighed down, or even crushed. Often these struggles come and go, a nuisance, an annoyance, yet sometimes they grab a hold, gripping every aspect of our lives, pulling us down, consuming our hope. It's hard to breathe under the weight of our anxieties. It's difficult to move forward when we're anchored to our worries. But God loves us too much to let us stay this way. He wants to replace our anxiety with hope, our fear with courage, our worries with peace, and our burdens with freedom. In moments when life begins to weigh you down, remember this one simple truth. We serve a faithful God, a God who's offered to carry our burdens and asks us to cast all our cares on Him. Welcome to Crossing. We're glad you're with us here today. Happy July 4th. Amen. We are so blessed, are we not, to live in a nation where we have freedom. Freedom to worship God, to honor Him. And it's because of the sacrifices of the men and women that have gone before us and paid that. And I just think it's important in times like this that we not forget why we are here and, and the blessings that we have being in a country, in a nation, that we have that freedom to worship and spend time. So just as you're enjoying this week and you're looking at the fireworks and spending time with family, take a note and remember, and just thank the Lord for his goodness and his graciousness that we live in this opportunity, this place, this country, and for the people that have, have made that possible. Where today we're in a series called Seasons of Grace. We're in Zechariah chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today. If you'd like to follow along in the YouVersion app, you can go to the YouVersion app, go to the, the More tab, it has the three lines, hit Events, and you'll see um, the Crossing Church and has all the notes for you today. What we've been talking about and what we're talking about over the next few weeks is this understanding, this thought called seasons of grace. I think we can all agree that life is full of seasons, right? We've been there. If you've lived life at all, you've experienced different seasons of life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 gives us an illustration of that. It tells us there's a time to live, a time to die, a time for laughter, a time for sadness, a time to plant, a time to grow. We see it lists out all these parodies that we can understand that this is how life is. You don't just you're not exempt from it. You don't just avoid it. It's simply full of life. But beyond that, we also can see that there's even as there's the seasons we have, such as winter, fall, spring, summer, and what a summer it's been, right? I mean, man, can somebody turn the air conditioner on outside? It's been rough. You know, we, we went on a vacation and came back. I never dreamed it'd be hotter. You know, it's like, how did it get hotter over this time? But we go through seasons just like we do on a regular basis, but those also parallel to our lives as well. And that's not what we're talking about in this series, because that is established. Most of us have understand that and know that. But beyond that, what about the times? What we're looking at is the moments of life where you felt stuck between seasons. You ever had that? 
if you've lived in Texas, we experience that a lot regularly, right? It's like it goes, you know, summer, 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 fall, winter, right? It's like, where was that fall? Fall somewhere about end of November, right? You know, it's like, but, you know, sometimes in our lives, there are moments where we, we just feel stuck, we're like, I'm not really at a fall season where things are being pruned. It's not really dry. It's not winter. Where am I? And today what we're identifying in this series is those moments when you feel stuck. Those moments maybe when you are expecting God to intervene. You need some sort of a breakthrough, some sort of a movement. And we're identifying those as a season of grace. A season of grace. Because that is when we need God's supernatural power to intervene. And today we're going to bring more light to that understanding in the definition of grace and how it applies. Now looking at Zechariah chapter 4, just to give you a quick background, if you'd like to look at last week, we go into it a little bit more depth. But basically, Zechariah is a prophet in the post-exilic period. It's in the Babylon. They've been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They're moving back to Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the temple. And he is one of the prophets. He's a contemporary of Haggai. And they both work together and prophesying to the people of Israel, letting them excitement, building excitement and letting them see the hope of what God has for them in rebuilding the temple. And in their minds, they're thinking that, hey, God is fixing to reset up the, our nation because they've no longer been a nation. They were conquered. And so they're excited, but yet they're also stuck because they feel like nothing's happening. So these prophecies are going out in Zechariah and in Haggai as well as Ezra. We see these prophecies going out and it's, it's preparing them for what God is doing. And we're looking primarily in this series in Zechariah chapter 4. It's a very popular passage for verse 6, which we dissected last week, which is the verse that says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. But I want to read beyond that today. We're going to, throughout this series, kind of break that down and see how this applies to a season of grace and how God has orchestrated it for our lives for a time as this. So let's go ahead and read Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It says, and the, the, then he said to me, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Then, he, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. So last week we broke down, we looked at four principles to guide you through a season of grace. And we kind of listed them out last week. The first one we, we dug into deeper was that God re requires that you follow his strategy. He requires you follow his strategy. The second one, what we're going to look at today, is that God insists you rely on his strength. God insists you rely on his strength. So let's take a look at verse 7. This is what we're going to break down, and we're going to see how this applies to us with grace and, and the, the power behind that. So the first verse, it says this in verse 7. The first phrase, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. Now let's just stop right there. When you ask this question, 
It's a question of perspective. It's a rhetorical question. It's not simply saying he doesn't know who the mountain is. It's not saying that it's anything insurmountable. It's simply asking a question rhetorically. Who are you, O great mountain? Now, the great mountain, in this case, is any obstacle that would come in the way of Zerubbabel and the people rebuilding the temple. Okay? That's what it's regarding to. But when you look at it in our lives, many of us have mountains, don't we? We can see how this applies to us. And oftentimes, those mountains seem insurmountable. Oftentimes, those mountains bring discouragement and affect our faith. It's, it's just part of life. But by simply asking the question, it's not a question as if I don't know what the mountain is. It's not a question to try to understand and describe the mountain. It's a rhetorical question putting in perspective where your strength comes from. Who are you, O great mountain? It's asking that question, putting it, shifting gears, saying, wait a second, who do you think you are? You ever had that happen, you know? Do you know me? That question, right? We were uh, at the house several uh, months back and um, Mandy had asked Harrison to get her a piece of food and he asked for clarification on it and she simply says, do you know me? And so that's been one of the jokes in our house now. If something comes up, we're like, do you know me? You know, but it's really one of those thoughts, isn't it? Because when you're asking this question, who are you, oh great mountain, you're saying, do you know my God? Who do you think you are? Because there's no mountain that's big, too big for God. Do you believe that? Some of us do. I said there's no mountain too big for God. Do you believe that? So if we know that, then we can have the same confidence in asking that question. Who do you think you are, oh great mountain? Now look what it says. Here gives the expl explanation to it. Before, you, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. What does it mean? Exactly how it reads. You're going to be destroyed. The mountain is to be leveled. It reads exactly. The obstacles that are in their, faith, in, their, in their path are gone. There will be nothing that will keep God from doing what he has set out to do. Because that's the God we serve. Really, this is the evidence. Remember last week, we looked at not by mind, not by power, but by my spirit. And oftentimes, we think of that as the power verse. Because that's what, oh yeah, not by mind, by power, my God is powerful. But really, it wasn't. Remember how we paralleled that and described? It's by his spirit. And his spirit shows the strategy, which we know correlates into the New Testament of comfort, joy, peace, you know, and wisdom and, and counsel. We How all those things apply. So really, his spirit is the strategy. It's trusting in him. But in this one, we can see his strength. He's saying, any mountain that stands in your path is going to be leveled. I don't know about you, but that's a good thing, Right? Because of that mountain, most of the times we see the mountain and we see what? We see an insurmountable object that we don't know how it can happen. And we begin to trust in our own abilities. But here's what he's saying. Don't trust in your own. Know that I have strength. I can level anything in your path. Now this is a powerful statement and a prophetic word. And the reason behind that is because it brought meaning that many of us don't see or understand. Because prior to this, in Isaiah chapter 40, the prophecies that were prophesying of the Messiah to come, okay, they're prophesying the Messiah. Look at Isaiah 40 verse 4. Look what it says. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. An uneven ground shall become level and rough places a plain. 
So immediately when you're prophesying and saying, who are you, O great mountain? You shall become a plain. You're not going to stop the rebuilding of the temple. What do you think the people and the children of Israel, what do you think they're thinking? Yes, God, we're reestablishing here. We're going to become a nation. All is well. He's going to take care of this. It was a preference. It was was literally to refocus their attention. How many times in our lives do we need to be refocused and recognize that the God you serve has the strength for whatever you need? More than we care to admit, isn't it? But Jesus then connects this prophecy to John the Baptist. Look at Luke 3, 4 through 5. It says, Isaiah spoken of John. When he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, it's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, the mountains and hills will be leveled, the curves will be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. Do you see that plane again? It's the same connection, because this is how the Bible works. There's a, literally, it flows from the Old Testament to the New. It's fulfilling the call and the vision of that God has for us. So we can see this and apply this. But then Jesus gives us a better illustration, even in Matthew. 1720. You know what he does? He's speaking to his disciples. He's explaining to those around him, his followers, that you can have this faith. You can have this exact same understanding as as just as his whole method, his whole process, and who he was. In Matthew 17, 20, he says this. He says, you don't have enough faith, he told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard speed, you could say to this mountain, look at this, move here and or there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Isn't that interesting? So the prophecy that was laid forth, even in Isaiah, that we see in Zechariah, all flows through into the New Testament to remind us as followers of Christ that you have faith to believe, to rely on God's strength and say to that mountain, I realize you're the mountain, but who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who are you, O great mountain? Because I have a God that is able to meet what I'm facing. You see, when opposition comes, we should know that our God is able and rely on his strength alone. Right? But let's be real. We often see if we can do it on our own first. But this next part is pretty interesting. This is where we get the title, Seasons of Grace. Because when we think of the word grace, it's, it's completely different. We're going to break that down. But let's look at the next, next part of the passage. It says, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace, to it. Now let's first deal with the top stone. Okay, this is also referred to as a capstone. Now what is a capstone? A capstone literally symbolizes completion. It's a crowning achievement or a memorial. So think if you've ever heard, and, and especially in the educational realm, they had a capstone project, or you know what, it's the capstone of the, whatever you're dealing with. It's basically it's saying, hey, you have finished. It's the, the major event. It's been accomplished. It's, some, it's kind of the, the cherry on top, if you would. So there's this capstone. He says, he shall bring forth the topstone, the capstone of all this, building the temple, shouting grace, 
grace to it. Now that word topstone and capstone literally is also used throughout scripture. We see it multiple times. And another time it's used is in 1 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12. Verse 12 where it says Samuel took a stone and he stood it up between Mitzvah and Shen and he called the name Ebenezer for he said till now the Lord has helped us. That was the story where the Philistines and the Israelites were fighting and the Israelites had taken over, um, I'm sorry, the Philistines had taken over the Israelites and they had taken the Ark of the Covenant, but yet God showed up, he brought the Ark back, and when the Ark came back, Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, he's the one that stepped up and he said this statement. It's the same that, that when he says he set up a stone, it was a memorial, what was it? It was evidence, it was the crowning achievement, look what our God has done. How many times do we need to be reminded of that? You know what's so significant? Is because it represents victory. Isn't that awesome? He's saying the top stone, that's the victory that you have. He's saying, hey, victory is yours. You have victory through Christ. Who is this mountain? No, this mountain's nothing because we have a God who is stronger than anything we can face. Now, here's this part, this part grace, grace. I don't know about you, but if I'm a victory cry, or if I have a mountain in front of me, grace, grace is probably not the term I'm thinking. Anybody else? You know, I can think a lot of things, but it's usually not grace. But it's so fascinating that this is what is used. He shall use the term shouts of grace, grace to it. Now remember, the reason we... The reason we wouldn't think that is because it's not our strategy, is it? We talked about that last week. It's his strategy. It's not our strength, is it? It's his strength. But let's break this down. The word grace comes from the Hebrew word hen, which literally means supernatural favor from God. Supernatural favor from God. So you're shouting the word grace. You have the top stone, the capstone. You're saying victory is ours. And I'm saying it's ours through what? The supernatural favor of God. Isn't that awesome? That's what they're shouting. They're saying, we have victory. Who is this mountain? This mountain's nothing. But you know what? The reason this mountain's nothing because we have a supernatural God who is in control and he's going to level that mountain to a plane and he is going to give victory to our hands. Now this translates into the New Testament as well. A word that's very similar in context to it is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 through 10. Let's read this. This is the moment where Paul has a thorn in his flesh. You remember that story if you've read it before? He has a thorn in his flesh. It's known as a sickness or an ailment. He's prayed and asked the Lord to heal it. But God has not healed this sickness. And Paul's a bit frustrated. He's, he's asking the Lord to heal and he doesn't know why he hasn't healed. But look what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 in response to this moment. He said, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then 
I am strong. Now, isn't it interesting? Because when we think of the word grace, we often think of, of forgiveness. We think of simply just a, an act of, of, of grace and extending just forgiveness to you. And you don't have to face the judgment part of it all. But yet Paul's saying here, my grace is all you need. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, is he saying my forgiveness? No. The Greek word there is karse, which means a divine influence upon the heart. Which also is that supernatural power. You see that? It's a divine influence that is upon the heart. We see it again here in 2 Peter 12, or 1, 2, and 3. It says, my God will give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of, the Lord Jesus, of God and our Lord Jesus. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. For we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us, he called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. But what does he say? He gives you more and more strength, more and more power, more and more, no, more and more grace. Why is that there? Because it is a supernatural favor from God. It is a divine influence that is upon your heart. And you can see that is why when we're in these seasons that we're stuck, when we're in these moments where we don't know where God is, we can know that his grace is sufficient. You look at what Paul said, he said, it's like, I can't do this on my own. Instead of saying, look, oh man, poor pity me, God didn't hear me. He says, who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, thorn of the flesh? His grace is sufficient. He will give me the strength that I need to face whatever mountain that comes in my path. So why shout grace? Why shout grace, grace? Because grace, God's grace, is a divine power that gives you the authority. Think about that. It's his divine power, his supernatural favor, his influence upon your heart that gives you the strength to look to that mountain and shout grace, grace. In other words, you're saying, I'm not relying on my strength anymore. Grace, grace. I'm not relying on my ability to provide. Grace, grace. I'm not relying on my healing alone because it's grace, grace. Whatever I'm dealing with, I cannot restore that relationship but grace, grace to it. Because the, what are you doing? By shouting grace, grace, you are signifying that that mountain becomes a plain when I trust in the one who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13 tells us what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It comes from him. So whatever you're facing today, you can shout grace, grace. And you know what you do when you shout grace, grace? You're shouting victory. It's the capstone. I am claiming victory over my situation. 
I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I'm going to shout grace, grace, and I'm going to see victory through it. It's a declaration that we can rely on his strength and his strategy. It's a declaration. Because when we shout it, it's a declaration. We're saying, God, you've already done it. It's a mountain. But you know what? Then if you're facing a mountain today in your life, whether it physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, you can look at it and say, oh my word, this mountain, what am I going to do? Or you can look at the capstone, the victory that comes from the Lord and say, I'm going to look at that right in that mountain. I'm going to say, grace, grace. I trust in your supernatural, divine favor that has influence on my heart to take care of that situation. And you know what? He will. Because his grace is sufficient for you. It's more than enough. We often think of sufficient means just enough. But it really means it's more. It's all you need. It's all that you need. So what obstacles are you facing today? What mountain is in your way? How are you responding to it? If we're being transparent and real... Most of us default to, oh my word, look what I'm facing. Look what I'm going through. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Let me tell you something. You cannot do this on your own. You have to trust in his strategy and rely on his strength. And that season of grace will turn into a season of God's favor, a season of his in divine influence on your heart. I want you to close your eyes and reflect on that this morning. If you're here today and maybe that mountain's really big. You're thinking, I don't know how I can fix it. Maybe you've really tried a lot over the years. Whatever it is, you know the mountain. I believe the Lord is speaking to some of you here today, and He's wanting you to reflect how you respond to the mountain. He's asking that you stop looking at the mountain as insurmountable. And start questioning, who is this mountain? You can't do it on your own. It's time to rely on his strength. If that's you today, Shout grace.
I want to do as we close today. In a moment, I'm going to give an invitation for salvation, but I feel impressed in my spirit to address this today. I want to ask that we all stand for a moment. As we've been speaking today, you God has been speaking to you what your mountain is. You know your mountain. But the question is today, will you shift your focus and look to the one who can bring the capstone over it, the victory to it? And today, in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to lift up and we're going to say, Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray for you individually, just as a corporate body, that the Lord will strengthen you in this situation. But I'm going to count to three. And here's what I want you to do. Whenever we count to three, I want you to simply say, grace, grace. I want you to shout, grace, grace, to whatever your problem is. You don't have to name it out. He knows it. Now, However much you want him to respond is however much you can say it. If it means a lot to you, yell it. I'm good with it. He's good with it. I'm pretty sure shout, grace, grace, doesn't mean grace, grace. We probably are going to have to lift our voice. Right? Grace, grace. So I'm going to say a quick prayer and I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask the Lord to help you with whatever you're dealing with. As I'm praying, I want you to surrender to him. Just say, Lord, here's the situation. He knows it. No one else needs to know it. When I count to three, whatever it is, whatever you need him to do, whatever mountains in your path, I want you to shout, grace, grace. Because you know what you're shouting? Supernatural favor from God that has a divine influence upon my situation is going to make that mountain a plain. Amen. Think about that. Yeah. You're saying supernatural divine favor that comes from God and has influence is going to make whatever I'm facing a plane. Do you believe that? Do you believe your God can level whatever mountains in your pathway? Do you believe it? Okay, well then just a moment when I pray, we count to three, I want you to shout grace, grace, and believe that that God is going to make that mountain a plain today. Heavenly Father, right now, you see each and every person here that is under, Lord, that is joining with us right now. You know the mountains that are in their path. You know what the enemy has tried to make them believe, that there is no way. You know the enemy has tried to spring seeds of doubt in their mind. But Lord, today we come to you and believe that you are a God of supernatural power, that you are a God of supernatural favor, that sees these mountains in the path, and Lord, that you can destroy and level any mountain in our way. And God, right now, as a corporate body, we are bringing before you these situations, these mountains, and we are shouting, grace, grace, right now, one, two, three, grace, grace, in the name of Jesus. We do it again, grace, grace. Lord, we shout grace today. Come on, give him praise. Father, we shout grace, 
over the mountains. And Lord, we will watch them be destroyed into a plain. We will watch them be smooth. This season of grace is a season of supernatural favor, is a season of supernatural strength, is a season of supernatural strategy that only comes from you. And Lord, whatever they shouted to today, bring forth the capstone of victory. Lord, let this day mark the beginning of the testimonies that are going to come forth of the great things that we're facing because the mountains have been leveled. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't want to close this service without giving you the opportunity to accept Christ. If you are here today or you're joining with us and you do not know Christ as your Savior, or maybe you've accepted Him at one point but you've walked away, and today the Lord's been tugging on your heart to recommit your life to Him. If you're here and you're joining with us, I want to ask we all bow our heads today and close our eyes just for a moment and respect for others. But if you're here today and you do not know Christ, and you're saying, hey, I want to make that commitment. We're not going to embarrass you or call you out. I want to pray with you right where you're sitting. But I want you to make that decision, that choice today to surrender to him. And if that's you today and you do not know Christ, or you want to rededicate your life to him, with no one looking around, would you make eye contact with me right now? I want to pray with you where you're sitting. Romans 10, it tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, then we are saved. Confession is a prayer that we pray, but belief is a lifestyle we live out. But it starts with that prayer and that belief that God can and will. I'm going to ask that we all join together and pray that we not single anybody out. But if that was you today and you responded, or maybe you didn't respond, but the Spirit's still speaking to you, and you want to make this your prayer, then make this your personal prayer. Let's all join together and pray, if you would, right now together as a body. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and rose again for me. And now today, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says all of heaven is rejoicing. Would you rejoice with me today? I know there's mountains in our past. But how many of you know that mountain's going to be leveled? Right? It may not happen when we want it, but it's going to be leveled. But I believe it's going to happen now. Amen? Even more so, let it happen now. Amen? Anybody else? I'm like, now's a good time, Lord. You're good right now. Be a good time. Just level that mountain. But it's like Paul said, my grace, if it doesn't happen when we want it, my grace sufficient his supernatural power his supernatural favor his divine influence is all you need to make it through and he will see you through because that's the season of grace
peace. That's the season of favor. So we may look at this season and go, I feel stuck. But instead we can look at it and say, Whoo, all right, God, what do you got? Right? That's what James said, didn't he? James 1, he said, consider it joy when you go through these problems. It's a season of grace. Amen. As Mandy comes, I just want to encourage you. I know summer's a weird time. You know, we, we, we travel, we go, and, and everything, and yet the expenses still push on. And we give, when we talk about giving, giving is not something we do because we have to. It's not something we do because it's because we, when we give, we are saying, God, we recognize that you are in control of all things and that everything I have comes from you. So sometimes we, we get misconstrued. We think that giving is all about, well, I'm just trying to help the church. Well, no, the church is the body of Christ. This is simply a building. And as we give, it's to literally give back out into the world and that this message of hope goes beyond. So don't negate in your giving to the Lord. Make sure that that stays a priority because the reason we give is because it literally sets our priority, reminds us who our source is and that our source is Christ and God and everything we have comes from Him. So be faithful in your giving and as you honor God, He will honor you. All right, with that in mind, let's go ahead and uh, let's pray, dedicate our giving uh, that we're gonna do over the next week or two back to God. Um, here at The Crossing, generosity is our norm. And so we can do that in many different ways. We can do that through going to thecrossingchurch.tv if you choose. You can give here this morning if you would like. There'll be a bucket on the back counter that you can um, give into. You can also download the Church Center app. Very easy way to give. Um, just make sure you click The Crossing Church as your church. Um, P.O. Box 428 if you are online and would like to send it in or text any amount to 84321. So let's reflect on um, whether we're giving this week, whether we're going to give today, however you choose to do it. But let's lift it back up to the Lord this morning and thanksgiving to Him. Let's, let's do that together. God, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, we just want to lift our offering up to you today. Thank you for your blessings on our lives. Lord, I don't know what we would do on a daily basis without your blessings, without your favor. God, we just want to give back to you with cheerfulness and thanking you for all that you've blessed us with. Help us as we give to know that, that we are partnering with you um, to see people come to know you all across the world and not only all across the world, but also here where we live. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, did that a little backwards today. Um, if you are joining with us for the first time, either here in person or um, online, we wanna say welcome. We're so glad that you came. And if you could do something for us, if you could scan this QR code, um, there's one here on the screen or there's some on the back of the chairs. And if you will fill this out for us, we would love to connect with you. Um, hopefully you'll want to connect with us as well. Um, but also not just uh, if you're a first time guest, if there's something that you would like to mark on that connect card, there's you can update information, you can ask for information about serving, about um, many different areas, water baptism. So definitely take advantage of that connect card and, and uh, get those filled out each week. 
do have a few um, things coming up. Tonight, we want to invite all of our students um, and college-age uh, students, uh, our college-age individuals, to come over to our house um, and our address. If you guys don't know our address, I'm going to give it out. So if y'all want to put it in a note in your phone real quick or write it down, if, no, if you need it, it's um, 2845 Waterfall Lane. And just here, little elm. So we want to invite all of you out to our house, 7.30 tonight. That's a little later than youth normally starts, um, but it's because we're doing a backyard uh, movie. We have one of those inflatable screens and we have to wait till a certain time in the evening when the sun goes down so you can actually see it. So uh, we're going to eat, have pizza, have s'mores, uh, popcorn, all that good stuff. And then it, when it gets dark enough, we'll uh, get the movie started. And so we just wanted this to be a time of hanging out, of we're going to have a devotional, just uh, a lot of fun. So we would love if you are a college age student, um, or maybe you're not in college, but you're in that same age bracket, we want to invite you over as well. So definitely come and take advantage of that tonight, 730 at our house. All right. Also coming up, ladies, we have a ladies bunko night. Now we have not done this in a while, but bunko is literally one of the funnest games you'll ever play. So we want you to come out. It is actually going to be at the Rogers home um, July 14th. It's on a Friday evening at six. So we want to invite all the ladies out. You can bring your favorite uh, summertime snack that you like, finger food, that kind of thing. And uh, we're just going to have a great time of hanging out and being together. So, um, and then one last thing that we wanted to point out is um, there will be coming up in August. Now we, this is about a month from now. There will be um, a men's breakfast, August 6th. So definitely put these things on your calendar. Make sure you're checking uh, your email. If you're receiving the uh, Staying Connected, if you're not receiving the Staying Connected, let us know. We would love to get you on that um, email list. But also you can find the Staying Connected on Facebook and Instagram as well. All right, that is all that I have for you today. And uh, I hope you all have a wonderful 4th of July tomorrow celebrating. And uh, you guys have a great week. We'll see you back, um, all of the youth and college students at our house tonight. And if not, we'll see you all back next uh, Sunday. Have a good one.